Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Buckle up because episode 72 of The Pinball Show is a big one. Another giveaway, revealing new pinball merchandise, speaking with Brad Albright, co-hosting with a Canadian, Deep Fraud, the quintessential Deep Root SEC report coverage with a financial expert, CGC officially announcing Cactus Canyon remake and details about the release, more creators switching teams, Keith Elwin talks game four, pinball market trends, and my love for John Stamos. All of this and more on this most full episode of The Pinball Show. Goonies never say die. This next song is for dreamers everywhere. Happy anniversary, honey. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for The Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. A dream is a wish of heart Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 72 of the Pinball Show, and it's a giant one. A lot of news in pinball this week and a lot of exciting announcements, but let's start with the one nearest and dearest to myself and to many others that you know and love with our official merch launch. The store is now live where you can help support the Pinball Show or straight down the middle or Puppet Pals, or the Pinball Network, or Flippin' Out Pinball, all with a wide range of high-quality products, including over 20 designed pinball shirts, art prints, backpacks, stickers, jackets, hoodies, hats, flip-flops, I shit you not, pants, fanny packs, because you got to have one, mugs, game room pillows, and much more. You know where to go, FlippinOutPinball.com. That's Flip, the letter N, OutPinball.com. It will funnel you into everything, uh, this collection that I'm super proud of and one of the highlights of my pinball career thus far. Now, this is a big one. You have a chance also at purchasing and winning a limited edition t-shirt of the one, the only, four-inch creasel clone. Absolutely. This this uh, this print we're going to talk about in depth, but this 4-inch Creasel clone, I had to fight for it. I really had to fight for it. You guys know our co-host at the Pinball Show, Dennis Creasel, and his his love for hating me. So, he actually signed off on this. He loves it and hates it at the same time. And I said, "Why don't we just cuz he didn't want this mass out everywhere?" So why don't we just make this a limited edition shirt? We'll limit it to X number, and uh, that's it. And he said, fine, Zach. But he later told me, listener, if for some reason we can sell out of these LE shirts, you may hear a pinball market trends by Dennis Kriesel himself. But before all of that, I want to speak with the lead artist on this project, someone I very much admire. His illustration and artwork in pinball uh, is just a small piece of what he has to offer, it's Brad Albright. Now, we know Brad earned his Bachelor of Fine Arts from ooh, from Cornell's University's College of Architecture, Art, and Planning. He later earned his Master of Fine Arts at Hartford Art School's MFA program in illustration. 
He's worked with the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Marin and the WTF podcast, Red Bull, Stern Pinball, and many more. Brad completely slayed the commissioned pieces that he did for us for the pinball show, Straight Down the Middle and Puppet Pals. Brad, welcome to the show and thank you for everything. So for those listeners maybe unfamiliar with your work, can you tell people maybe where they've possibly seen some of your work and didn't even know it? Yeah, sure. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been to Texas Pinball Festival. Hell yeah. I was there in, what was it, 2018? I had a booth there. I did a couple 3D posters. They were very kind to let me do, sort of unofficially, but they, they were like cool with it and let me display them and, and share it there. They were really uh, cool. I remember the 3D glasses and, and everything. You were kind enough to accomplish a piece there. Thank you. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, so the 3D thing, that's I guess if people knew me for anything, that would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do 3D posters with glasses, which I've I've done a poster for Stern, and I did some 3D stickers for them in the oh, past yeah. year, year and a half for their Insider program. Before Stern did their Led Zeppelin machine, I did the artwork for Rotor Dave on Pinside. He did his you know, his homebrew re-theme, and we collaborated on that. People loved that art package. Loved it. And that was like the comparison piece that people used when Stern's Led Zeppelin came out. People loved that stuff. And uh, what have you done any apparel stuff for Stern? I thought you were doing apparel stuff, too. I, well, no, not yet. Okay. And you've worked with, uh, you've worked with merchandising and, and uh, clothes designing, apparel designing before, right? Yes. Yeah. So I went to school for fine art and then ended up working in graphic design, you know, as more practical, like professional application. But I found myself really missing the the hand-drawn stuff. So I kind of steered myself back in the right direction. And that's when I started doing the graduate program while I was still working Mm -hmm. and then transitioned into a merchandising job, which was kind of the best of both worlds, doing designs for pop culture licenses sure um, doing things like wallets and lanyards and t-shirt designs for you know ninja turtles harry potter oh yeah the big ones yeah you did it i love your lebowski one oh oh thank you thank you yeah and so in, in 2018 then i just jumped ship entirely and decided it was time to pursue my own stuff and see what i could do by concentrating on things like art festivals and my my etsy shop and mm-hmm. online sales and then gallery shows in town here in the Dallas area, but primarily my uh, my pop culture partner galleries are out in Los Angeles. I've got oh, okay. Gallery 1988 that I do a lot with, and I just started talking with Hero Complex, and I'll be showing with them a bunch this winter as well. So that's kind of where I am right now. I'm focusing a lot on the, the gallery work and pushing into some new media, not just the, the 3D posters with the glasses, but also doing these layered laser cut uh oh like the woodcut like, stuff you've been doing yeah yeah these sculpted out things and they're weirdly involved and they look just, super complex yeah they're just kind of fascinating to me i think it's it's this strange combination of art and print and technology sculpture kind and, of yeah yeah and sculpture and i'm you know they're not just the traditional like square rectangle format they're mm-hmm. they're freely die cut and now i'm starting to integrate like spring mounting things so that they're interactive and they wobble and Ooh. yeah it's well, it's interesting you I, know us, I, i'm excited about where it's going us pinball people we love big stuff in our game rooms and i can only imagine picture this brad a layered woodcut large right with some leds 
in the back. They cycle through different colors and stuff. I, I think it'd be a big. We'll we'll talk uh, off off the air, but I think it could be a, a big thing. People need to go to albrightillustration.com. That's a l b r i g h t illustration.com and see the. This is what pulled me in. Uh, to contacting you. I saw some of your pieces here and I thought this portfolio, I'm like, if he can do half of what he's doing here to represent anything I'm a part of, I would be one proud man. Uh, I got to ask you why pinball? Like what got you in? Is it arcade and pinball? Just pinball? What what the hell are you doing in pinball? Yeah, it's it's mostly pinball. Somewhere along those lines, I was being kind of nostalgic and thinking about growing up and playing a lot of the nineties pinball moving around as a kid in the, the 90s you could always find an adams family yep, that was yep. in every town that we lived in i think that was kind of my entry point as nostalgia goes i just found it like freshly fascinating and i, I realized how exciting of a combination of storytelling and art and light and sound and engineering mm-hmm. and interactivity and gameplay there's just there's so much that goes into it to make this fun accessible challenging device that's also nostalgic Mm -hmm. there's just there's so much there to chew on and since i don't actually own any machines myself yeah it's it's a way of like vicariously engaging in pinball i guess well it's an interactive art piece that's what i see pinball as an interactive art piece and and many artists love sinking their teeth into this because like you said it's fully dynamic. It's not just stagnant. It's not static. It doesn't just sit there. It, it has light that interacts with the art. It has sound that also tells the story of the illustration. There, there's so much going on. As we look back, I think it was like March or April I contacted you. What were your first thoughts when I contacted you about doing a collection rather than just a single art piece uh, that maybe you've done for, for other pinball people in the past? Well, it was exciting. I, I was familiar with your work, of course, so I was honored that you would oh, even thank consider you. working with me on it. Something that struck me as interesting was you had kind of like a split concept, kind of half and half. Some of it was illustration oriented, mm-hmm. some of it was text oriented. Yeah. And you wanted to kind of elevate these these like catchphrases and things that, you know, you've built up over your career in podcasting and, and pinball media and try to make it into something cohesive, mm-hmm. which for me is an exciting proposition to not just do one single piece, but to try to do a series of things that tie together. What I found most challenging, I think, was the idea of doing a series of text-based designs. Okay, yeah. I don't, I don't really consider that one of my primary avenues. I remember you saying that, yeah. Yeah, it's, you, it's you something that I'm me. always challenging myself <laughs> to do. It's certainly you know useful and good to to continue pushing in that direction. But I was curious what it was that you saw in my work that made you say, "Yeah, he can do this." Yeah, for me, it was it's easy. I, I went to your uh, online portfolio of the illustrations you put. A handful of pieces stuck out. Because they all, stylistically, you have a, a very prominent style. I approached you based on that style alone because there is, what I love about your artwork is there is, there's some realism there, but also it's not too real. I don't know if that makes sense. Like when you're doing characters and stuff, character-based stuff. Yeah. Like they're very much like the illustrated pieces on like Beavis and Butthead or Rick and Morty. They're very true form to the animation source. But then you move on to like movie film franchises or, or television or, or, or bands and whatnot. Very iconic people. It's not a caricature, 
but it's very much, it feels real, but in its own world. And I knew the pieces that I wanted to have done were going to need just that. Thankfully, you were open to the idea and the concept, even though at one point, I think you messaged me, you're like, essentially, is anybody going to buy this shit? <laughs> like, this is, this is so <laughs> deep. And then my response was, I, I, no, but I don't care. Like, this is just for me to, to get prints on t-shirts and on the wall and, and some of the followers, they'll really appreciate the, the inside pinball, uh, nature of this, of this collection. And, and I couldn't be happier, uh, with it. Let's jump into the individual pieces. The first batch you started, cause you've got nine or 10 different designs you did for us, but the first batch was, I asked you to do the four inch crease clone, I described that to you, the pinball show goat and people again, follow it. Uh, you can go check out these probably on social media on the pinball network or, uh, on flipping out pinball.com. It'll link you there. And we had the blinded, uh, by Dwight series. So the four inch crease clone, <laughs> I wish you could have been a fly on the wall when I presented that to Dennis, he said, Oh no. <laughs> and he was like, don't get me wrong. It is perfect. But because Dennis notoriously doesn't like to be the center of attention, he doesn't like yeah, any thought you, of you him on a t-shirt. He just hates the idea, but he loved this. So I thought, honestly, I thought I was dumping uh, money into the commission to work for it to be left on the editing room floor. Didn't think he would approve it, but I knew it was a long shot and maybe I guilted him into it. I don't know, but he loves it and hates it all at the same time. And now is your chance to win. The four-inch Creasel clone t-shirts are a limited edition run. Only 75 will be made, and that's it. The reasoning behind this being, one, Dennis doesn't want to be on any shirts, and two, they're made using a more specified process, and they require a whole separate company to print and hand sew the pockets on, et cetera, et cetera. Thus, once they're gone, they are gone. But you can win one of these limited edition tees simply by going to the Pinball Network's Facebook page, or it'll be on Flipping Out Pinball's Facebook page as well. Find the post of the art designs and share it to your social media or to a pinball face group or Pinside or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is. Share it. And in your post, comment on which design from the collection is your favorite. Send us evidence of the share via thepinballnetwork at gmail.com, and Dennis and I will randomly select a winner on next week's episode. It's that simple, and it really does help us out here a lot. Thank you to those willing to help, and best of luck. And regardless, buy one anyway. Come on, help a couple guys out. Out of those three pieces, anything stick out to you? The four-inch Creasel Cologne, the iconic goat, uh, what they were to look like, or the blinded by Dwight? Well, Creasel was a fun start. Yeah. Um, that one and the goat definitely felt natural for me to work on. Just okay. Stylistically, came came very naturally. Um, and as kind of an aside, I ponder for a second the idea of style. Well, your artwork you know, has around. your art. I was trying to pinpoint uh, when I was describing it earlier. Your artwork has texture. It's what makes it feel real. It has a mm. lot of texture. It feels like you can touch this or it's sticking out on the page or whatever medium you're using. Even the goat, like when you did that goat and sent it to me, I, I sent like some ideas of what, you know, conceptually I was thinking of. And then you came back in the first piece you came back with, I was like, there he is. Or that, like, that's the goat. That is the goat. And you had the mouth open. We, we know that that goat's screaming all the time. And then the, just the small details of color reflection like neon from that logo onto the 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 fascia of the the goat sides of this face oh 
it was phenomenal. It was killer. I love that you illustrated and made visual what is has been iconic in audio form. So for that, thank you. And we'll talk about the Puppet Pals here in a minute the same way there. The second batch was Pinball Market Trends, Moment Maker slash Point Chaser, uh, and My Homie Gomi. These were the the text-based or typography-based designs that you said initially, not your wheelhouse or not one of your specialties that you envisioned, but after seeing what you were able to do with the the My Homie Gomi, that's a, that's a piece. That's a visual illustrated piece. It's hard to just say that's a piece of typography. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We went back and yeah, forth think, on that, didn't we? On trying to figure that? out that style, that Gomez style. Yeah, depending whatever pens you know he may be using when he signs his signature it was trying to land on what is it that is like distinctively gomi you know is it mm-hmm. is it the little dots that he puts at the end of a oh, long yeah. stroke or is it you know the way that the shapes of the letters kind of cross over each other so we had to we had to try a few different things so that i could find the right brush settings to kind of emulate what to you looked like yes his distinctive signature Listener, I want to remind you, the Moment Maker Point Chaser, this is for you. You get to determine and display proudly what Dennis and I and many at TPN have talked about in the past. Are you a Moment Maker? Are you chasing those uh, wizard modes and those those pinball moments? Or are you a Point Chaser, more competitive base? You want GCs and high scores. Now, with a very uh, almost like a spy versus spy concept, you can wear and support uh, being a Moment Maker or a Point Chaser. I'd love to see... How many of you out in public uh, are going to pick a side there? Or hell, do you, even, you can pick both sides and just whatever feeling you're having that day, you can wear that design tee or backpack or whatever it may be. And uh, I love that the My Homie Gomi, what we did was we wanted to make iconic and really tribute George Gomez's work in pinball, his iconic games. So we did this where if you'll see on uh, the website listener, merchandising-wise, you're going to be forced to certain colors. And these colors represent the pieces that he has worked on. So you'll see a green signature on, I think, like a blue or purple shirt for Monster Bash, a gold signature on a black background for a Lord of the Rings, Batman 66 we did, uh, which was an iconic piece of his work. So Deadpool, Deadpool's in there as well, a really nice metallic-looking red on a black. So you guys get to pick based on his pieces. I love that. And then the final batch, Brad, was the Puppet Pals, SDTM's Return of the Kraken, and Hulk 2D2, which I think is going to be a fan favorite. Starting with the Puppet Pals, I cannot overemphasize how special it was to the creators of Puppet Pals and to myself. The The whole shtick of the Puppet Pals is that it's a puppet show and an, an adventure in audio form, which is irony and stupid and silly and brilliant all at once. But the trust of illustrating what these characters actually look like in person was really big for us. I don't know. I don't know if it was that big for you. You're like, Oh, they're puppets. But for us, it was huge. The world now gets to see because of your artwork, Brad, what the puppet pals look like. Well, to your credit, you gave me pretty good reference uh, concept sketches to, to work from. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if, if people could see the concept of what you did, you brought them to life. And you you brought a lot of original ideas to that design that the creators of Puppet Pals just fell in love with. Uh, so we get to see Moppy and Rory and Steve there. <laughs> That's a, something I'm going to wear all the time. And then we go to uh, Return of the Kraken. I, I sent you Greg Bone and I's straight down the middle Kraken illustration that we, because we're not artists, but when we started straight down the middle, 
that's what we had as one of our first t-shirts to help support the show. I gave that to you and I said, make it a 2.0 version. We want to see a return of this Kraken monster. Let's see what you can do with it. No concept in general, just run wild. And probably my favorite piece that you've done in the collection personally, just because it, oh, it was just gorgeous. It's so, so beautiful. I think that people that are not into pinball would love wearing this illustration or would love printing this illustration for their game room or for their home. It's just the Kraken wrapped around that pinball machine and, and very iconic. There's, there's some little Easter eggs in that illustration too, that are near and dear to Greg Bowen and I through our work in pinball media. Uh, one being the Dolly pinball machine. We're both not only in love with a pinball machine, but in love with that person. So <laughs> we see Dolly and then you see her, slightly shifted from her original positioning to kind of be reacting to this Kraken. And there's another little Easter egg or two I won't give away, but uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal work there. Was that was that a tough one? You said that was probably your favorite. I wouldn't say tough, maybe more time-consuming. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like that one, I think, the most because it's doing a lot of the things that I try to do in my personal work. It's a dense composition. There's a there's a lot of overlapping shapes. Oh, yeah. So it's there's a lot of depth in it, and then there's so much to find in the, the finer details. So it takes, takes a fair amount of time in the, the sketch stage to shift things around and, and make sure everything's kind of interlocking properly mm-hmm. so that it, it reads but it's clear but you kind of have to analyze it to, to get all mm-hmm. the nuances of it and the and perspective then, yeah, some, some of those the perspective is perfect kind of a weird perspective had to had to do some good searching to find the right photo reference of Absolutely. a machine from that era looking at it in the right you know the right perspective and then throwing in the little color reflections mm-hmm. and water splashes coming out of it there's, there's so much going on oh the perspective is perfection i would have never thought of that and i've not really seen illustrations with a pinball machine in that perspective before but it was beautiful and then what i think will be this is dennis creasel's favorite he said by far this is something that he will proudly wear uh proudly print he will he loves hulk 2d2 this is a, a one or two throw off little bits that we've done dennis and i improvisationally and it just works for some reason and we wanted people to visualize that as well and now it works 10 times better because you see what appears to be in a different world the incredible hulk merging with r2d2 Beep, boop, beep, boop. It's so, it, it has nothing to do with pinball. And I think people outside of pinball are really going to hold on to this one because it's just, it's niche. It's iconic. It just, it works for so many things, Star Wars or Marvel or whatever it may be. So those were all the pieces. You said your favorite piece was probably the Kraken? Probably so. I, I'm i fond of that. The last three, especially the Puppet Pals, the Kraken, the mm-hmm. Hulk 2D2, but also the Goat, the Creasel, any of the ones that have like the hand-drawn stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty fond of all of those i enjoyed on the puppet pals doing kind of a, a janky cardboard mm-hmm. pinball that was a perfect like, idea with most the of the time if i'm everything. drawing pinball machines i'm i'm concerned about getting the the geometry right or making sure that the the pop bumpers look accurate oh, or whatever. Yeah. but in this case you know i got to play up some of those inconsistencies and put a little like strips of tape and little <laughs> like jagged cuts cardboard and dings and stuff and- uh-huh. What was uh what was the most difficult piece? Was it the cranking? A difficult weird for an artist, but time consuming. Yeah, uh, pinball market trends was yeah that tricky was because that was the most hand lettered. Yes, no no real font involved. 
Yeah, I wanted that illustrated by hand. I had an idea on that. You knocked that one out pretty good, though. I still think the signature was what we went back and forth on really trying to, yeah, to, get, to get done perfectly. Cowboy Crazy just knocked out knows exactly. Hulk 2D2, same way, knocked it out. What did you, uh, I got to ask, it's different. I understand. I'm, I'm self-aware. I, I'm not always the most easy to, to work with on projects because I'm a bit obsessive and uh, picky with some things and I have an idea, even if it's not the right idea, I, I have to control things. So uh, how is it working with me? F- full honesty. No, it, it was good. I, I think that I think that you are self-aware enough about being particular about this or that. It wasn't unusual. I, I've had some difficult clients. I wouldn't put you in the difficult. Oh, really? I don't get in the difficult. <laughs> no, not really. I think you gave me what I what I like to have best, which is some parameters, but a lot of runway to kind of do what I do best. You were able to kind of call those ideas down and make suggestions for the final touches you know color schemes or Mm -hmm. whatever and and for that matter i'm really excited to see what you do with say ground colors for you know for shirts or whatever Uh it is Uh oh Um, yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's a lot of pressure but okay yeah we'll we'll find out but no no i thought it was great we did it as you mentioned in kind of batches of three Mm -hmm. and I think the whole process might have dragged on a little longer than maybe you were hoping for at first. And I appreciate your patience on that. No, oh, it didn't bother me. Yeah, no. yeah. That's why I gave you the complex stuff at the very end. Cause I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to spring this on him. Cause I'm going to, I don't want to scare him away initially. I'm going to give him the big complex yeah. illustrations at the very end. Yeah. And it, it wasn't difficult. I mean, you mentioned, mentioned earlier how there was a moment where I was like, is anyone going to want to buy this stuff? Mm-hmm. I, I did feel like it was worth asking you that on the, on the outset. Um, to make sure that we're on the same page. And I really respected your, your response, which was that it, for you, it wasn't about the money. It was about celebrating your work mm-hmm. in this space, being able to represent it in a visual way. And, and to me, that was the perfect response. And that really gave the, the right perspective, I think, to the whole project. To do justice to the concepts behind it, not to try to make a quick buck. Exactly. Cause that, that's the last thing. And I'm guilty of, I mean, I live my life doing this, so it's not like I'm not making money in pinball, but there are some endeavors such as this or pinball award shows that it's truly not about the money. The only way that you can have the freedom to express yourself artistically for you, it's, it's in, in these illustrations. For me, it's a lot of times in, in media or, or concept, just in some of the art pieces is to not have any barriers or to have to limit the barriers to limit what you have to have in return. Like it, that's just not fun. It, it hampers right. creativity and I'm a big creative nut. So anytime that I'm in a situation where creativity is blocked or I feel like I'm being held uh, against my own creativity, I, yeah. I don't do well. And I get out of those situations as I have in the past. So yeah, this is very much a celebration of my work. I can look back and say, you know what? I busted my ass and I love this industry and, and this hobby more than anybody I've ever met. So I want to look on the walls of my game room and, and see these things to, to remind me of the fun and the friendships that I've made and some of the cool experiences I've had. And visually, Brad, you were able to do that for me. So for that, I will always uh, be indebted and thankful uh, for you doing that and taking on 
this project. Listeners, I want to remind you that the, these pieces of art can be purchased through flippingoutpinball.com. But besides that, where can people, Brad, purchase your art? If they if they want to see your pieces or they want to add some of this stuff to their you know, merchandising or collections or whatever it may be that you're making, where can people find it? Yeah, sure. Thank you. My Etsy shop is my my main outlet. That's become more and more, you know, our daily operation in the house. Is sure. Kind of managing the Etsy shop and then feeding new exciting things into it. So that's that's albrightillustration.etsy.com. Okay. Um, people can also find me just searching my name, Brad Albright. That's where I am on Instagram. And then uh, something that I, I should mention also is that in my Etsy shop, I'm partnered with Brad Hunter from Lit Frames. Oh, yeah. Yeah, most most of the listeners will know him for his back glass displays, but we have partnered together and we're we're expanding it into poster art as well, not just pinball back glass, but uh, some of my original art combinations. I print these inserts and then I correspond with Brad and he ships the frame. Ooh, and to so eliminate we have a few options there in my Etsy shop and so we're doing some pretty cool stuff with that. But also uh, gallery-wise, if anyone's out in the L.A. area, uh, Gallery 1988 and Hero Complex Gallery are both very, very high caliber, amazing collections of artists show there. And it's worth jumping on their Instagram accounts just to look at all of this stuff. So much fun insider, like pop culture geek mm-hmm. content. It's like an endless flow of hilarious uh <laughs> just amazing artwork from so many great artists. And we've got a lot of listeners out on the West coast there that uh, I'm sure would love to go visit that. So that's great. So what's coming in the future for Albright illustration and teasing. Yeah. Do we have anything that we're working on in pinball related stuff? Are you going to design Mostly. a machine? Come on. You're going to do artwork for, is that something you'd like to do at some point to do a machine? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's the dream. Okay. Of course. Yeah. You make that happen. Listener, you hear, you heard it here. If he's, if he's willing to do that and you see the, the phenomenal work that he can do, we need to remind some of these manufacturers that we need some Albright illustration on, man, I can, I can pick so many themes that would be perfect for your style more than any other phenomenal artist that we already have in pinball. So yeah, that's a goal of yours. That'd be good. Email us at the pinball network at gmail.com. Let us know what, uh, what themes you think his style would work perfect for. I don't know that Bojack Horseman is pretty freaking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah thank so you. good yeah that's so good that was an example of one of these things that that we're able to do at a place like gallery 1988 is they have uh these like studio relationships where they're not just always you know these unofficial fan art shows they actually partner with the actual production companies and so oh you know, we've done things with focus features i did some Shaun of the dead work which is my ultimate dream theme by the way okay uh, Shaun of the dead Bojack Horseman for Netflix. Seems like a spooky pinball run of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. Well, Brad, thank you again, uh, not only for appearing on the show today, but for working so diligently over the last uh, April, May, June, July, uh, four months or so. It was a lot of work. It's much appreciated. And you guys listening at home can support myself and all the media endeavors we're a part of by purchasing some of the merchandising, as well as going onto Brad's Etsy shop and, and purchasing some stuff as well. If and when you do purchase that stuff, send a picture to us at the pinball network at gmail.com. Maybe we'll enter you into a contest or something. We'll surely show that off on our social media as well. Uh, Brad, I'll tag you in some of that stuff too. All right, buddy, until, uh, until our next collection, 
hopefully a long time away for you, right? Um, I'll, I'll see you later. All right, Zach. Thank you, man. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate you, brother. What a jam-packed episode we have here. Thanks again to Brad Albright for the behind-the-scenes discussion to the merch collection. But there's a plethora of news this week in pinball, and I was trying to think, who, who could join me this weekend in helping discuss the Deep Root mess, Chicago Gaming Company stuff, Stern Pinball, some shape. Who could it be? Well, my special guest co-host today is no stranger to the pinball mic. He is one of our main administrators at the Pinball Network. He manages our social media and puts a ton of work behind the scenes here at TPN. He also is producing and co-hosting one of the most popular and informative pinball podcasts of all time with Silverball Chronicles. Oh, and of course, he's Canadian. Please welcome to the Pinball Show, David Dennis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My goodness. I can't believe you're putting me on after Mr. Albright. I should have gone before because you got to end with the tease of the shirts and the merch and all that stuff. You got to end on a high note. I'm here to depress everybody. I thought the talent comes first. (laughs) Oh, oh, that makes me sad inside. (laughs) You're still Canadian. Uh, So what have you been up to, Double D? Oh, I've been oot a boot a bunch. Uh, recently, recently, this is a big time in the household here. We're deciding to buy a second car, which apparently is the big thing here in pinball where we're buying second cars everywhere. Wow. Um, I'm not a big fan of buying cars. I don't like the whole rigmarole of all of that stuff, right? Like you got to go into the dealer, you got to do the whole, you got to test drive some cars and then, Do people test drive cars still? I, well, they do, but they shouldn't, right? Because the thing is, you got to get in there, you got to smell the leather, then, oh, they, yeah. then they get you all just wanting. Let's all not the bullshit hot ourselves, Dave. There's no leather, real leather, being put into vehicles anymore. You they know want that? you to get in there and smell the pleather. My yeah, friend. that's right. The fake. Yeah, but it's. Fake I test leather. drove a few different cars and things like that. But you get in there and then you, the, the salespeople, right? You're playing on their home turf. Yeah, there's right? their, getting, their home field advantage. Yeah, they got all the advantages. They and got things. the economy like, man, behind them. Oh, yeah. Jeez, man, I just want to drive car. your Mazda three. You know, you don't have to give me a coffee. I just want to drive the car. If it feels you like go crap, Mazda, I'm not going to buy it. You don't go Mazda. You go Mazda. Yeah, yeah, Mazda. Mazda. Huh? Mazda. Did you like buy a Zed. Mazda? The new Ma- the new Nissan Z. Oh God! Mm. Do, do you do you own a Mazda? No, no, I have a Nissan Murano oh, built in fancy. Mississippi. Shout out Mississippi! Wow! And I can certainly tell that it is because it's certainly not built in Japan or in Germany. Hey, the Nissans are nice. Hold their value. It is. Very well. It is actually dollar for dollar, hands down. If you're looking at getting an SUV. Think about that Nissan Rogue. Think about that Murano, because I love mine. <laughs> so stupid. You're pitching yeah. what is this? Nissan is this? Here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who's <laughs> ding? So stupid. I don't like the Mazdas. Eh, oh, man, they look very nice, the new ones. Zoom, nice. zoom, my German ass. They look inside. boring to me. Mm, mm. That's what I like. I like a good, boring car. That's why I went with a VW. Oh, wow. Tomorrow. Punch bug. Do they still make the bugs? Is that what you bought? They do no. I didn't convertible. Buy. I didn't. I didn't buy. <laughs> you yeah, would, yeah. You I, would drive a bright blue convertible yeah. bug. I do, and I need on the side like a really big like flower, <laughs> right? And then I'll pull out and be like, "Hey there, hey everybody, <laughs> it's me. Come over here and do some investments. I'm David. David Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I bought a uh, Golf GTI. Oh, a little hatchback. Yeah, I am a hooligan at heart. Uh, I used to have a Mini Cooper, which is is both the greatest car I ever owned and the worst car I ever uh, owned. It basically fell apart. Another ugly car. Uh, oh, I oh I'm ooh. that's it. I'm done. A GTI. How much you mm. pay for that? Like fifty grand. 
It was. It, it depends oh if we're God. using Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars. But man, oh. I'm a hooligan at heart. It's got four doors. I'll be able to fit the kids in there. It's mm. like it's like the 2020s version of a Woody station wagon. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. With wow. the real fake paneling. That's right. I bought a car this weekend as well. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. And that? you purchased. And you purchased. I'm sure what like a Toyota Yaris. A Toyota. What the hell? You guys aren't that far location wise from us to speak in the way you do. Toyota, 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 T O Y. Okay, Toy. I thought you said Toyota. I bought a, uh, I bought a foreign automobile. I went American. Oh. My wife's got the American. She got the GMC Denali mm, Road yes. Test. I, I, I would totally, uh, I would totally expect that car from you because you're a little bit of that like little little douchey, little douchey. So it's well, yeah. a bit of a douchey car. Well, I'll say that to Nicole. You drive. You would drive a Canyon Narrow. Canyon Arrow. Nicole's this smart, beautiful little blonde that is in this big ass truck. I love it. It's the XL too. But no, we bought a new car for. I drive the uh, the billboard on wheels, the flipping out van listener. You know that. Uh, but, Which is a Mercedes Benz, right? Well, Dodge Promaster, baby. Oh, yeah. that's kind of a piece whiz. of shit. But it's not bad. You're, but you're the second podcaster that drives a Dodge. <laughs> really? But my van's faster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. No, we bought a vehicle. My, my son's turning 16. He turned 16, David, and he had to have an automobile. So we had one of two options. We had option A, cause he doesn't give two shits about driving is fearful of it and is shitty at it. We could have got him like a 10, $15,000, you know, just run of the mill used car could have done that cause he doesn't care or a little, little Honda, little Honda, you know, hatchback. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, a little accent or something. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I said to the wife, why, why don't we, why, you know, driving, driving the van to target, not, not a great look. It's good advertising, but I'm tired of driving that thing. Why, why don't we get something a little nicer that I can drive? Does it have well? back seats? Uh, no, it just has a, how do you put the kids in that and go to Costco? They just throw them in the back and they jump around and it's fine. You just use the ratchet straps that are yeah. back there on the, against the wall. I got a mattress back there. It's fine. But, uh, had to buy Dominic a, a new vehicle. So we went with a foreign car, um, a Korean car. I <laughs> never thought I would buy a, a Korean automobile. What, so like the, the Samsung Koreans or the Kim Jong Koreans? I, I think it's the Samsung Korean. Um, okay. But we okay. bought uh, the good Korea. <laughs> we, went, we, went with a, uh, we went with a Kia. How about that? Nice. Never would have yeah. thought I bought a Kia or spent as much as I did on a damn Kia. But we went with a Kia K5, the new 2022 redesigned Kia K5. And I got to tell you, I, I like style. That's I where I go. We have a K5. I don't go GTI. I think we call them differently in Canada. I don't care for performance. I go, I go style. <laughs> it's got to look good. And that K5, uh, formerly known as the Optima, uh, is a... Ah, man. see, there you go. So yeah. I think we still call them Optima up here. Uh, you just haven't looked into it. They changed it all to K5. That was what it was overseas as well, but now North America. What happens when they get to K9? Up. That's awkward. I don't know. It's a, it's a beautiful car, though. White, yeah, give that a Google. That's a very pretty black car. Black panoramics, uh, sunroof, bows. Sedan, four mm. doors. Yeah. Mm. It drives yeah. itself. Have you guys, listeners, if you guys had one of these high techy cars that kind of drives itself in the interstate, I don't know if your GTI has this, but there's buttons that I can push, Dave, uh, when I'm driving down the interstate, that it it follows cruise control uh, to adaptive cruise control. So it changes its speed based on who's in front of you. And uh, th there's lane lane things where you don't have to really have your hands on the wheel. It keeps you, it keeps you in. 
So when you got this, and you obviously got this car uh, painted like the General Lee, so does it actually <laughs> jump over things, you know, it with its laser-guided cruise control? I mean, if I ride with Dominic anymore, it may. No, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice. I can do work while I'm driving. I'm joking, people. I'm not doing that. It's just safety precautions to keep you in the lane. But I have maybe driven uh, 10 to 20 miles without touching the wheel or the, the gas pedal, I might say that. So oh new cars all around, uh, and there's no there's no haggle pricing because they can, no, they can put the price did, on whatever uh, they got, want. I got uh, I got five hundred dollars off my winter tires. That's basically the yeah. only thing that I did, and that took me two hours. I know the owner of the dealership uh, down here. Uh, he's a friend, and my only in was him getting me a car. Like that that was his. <laughs> it was like the LE. It's like sorry, buddy, I can't give you a, a price break on this LE, but I can get you one. And you should be happy with that. So I took it. A seller's market across everything. Oh, I know it is. Unless you're unless you're selling unreleased uh, pinball machines. Selling ideas. Yes. Ugh. We'll see what Yay. the correspondents have drummed up, and then we'll get into some mess and some goods here on the Pinball Show. It's time for TPN Industry News. Hey, this is Kaz with a quick update on American Pinball. Like all other pinball manufacturers, they are dealing with delays in releasing their new machines. The team is still hard at work on game number four. Some interesting news I saw this past weekend was at CGC's announcement at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, and it showed Joe Schober as a team member at CGC. Now, Joe has worked at American Pinball on Hot Wheels and Oktoberfest, so I reached out to Joe for some confirmation. He told me that he is not done with American Pinball, but couldn't comment further. So he could be doing programming for both companies. I also saw that Jim Thornton, who had worked on Houdini at American Pinball, is now with CGC as well. So I'm trying to try to find some more info to get confirmation on these moves. We look forward to seeing game number four announced soon. I hope everyone has a great week and has fun playing pinball. For the Pinball Show, this is Brian Cosner. Matt Morrison here reporting from the Southern Fried Gaming Expo with an exciting CGC update for the week. Ryan White put on a great seminar quickly detailing the past at CGC, then spending the rest of the one-hour seminar outlining the present and future at Chicago Gaming. First things first, Cactus Canyon Remake is official. Code has been completed and expanded upon. 850 playfields are already screened and ready to go. Game should be formally shown in four to six weeks and some SE shipping shortly after that currently awaiting one last licensing approval. The pricing was not revealed at this time. The topper wasn't shown, but is, quote, very interactive with its own minigame. They're also currently setting up a second production line and have five games currently in development. If you're tired of high Medieval Madness remake prices, fret no more. There's going to be more Medieval Madness remakes in 2023 and more upgrade kits this year, including toppers, RGB lighting, and extended display on the way as well. There's a whole lot of other tidbits were discussed and including some great questions from the crowd. I will trickle out more tidbits in the upcoming week. But that's it for this week. Back to you guys. All right, Dave, let's jump into it. Um, we don't have a deeper correspondent because <laughs> they jumped and bailed uh, appropriately last year. Because now Deep Root Pinball not only bailed, but they failed. You see what it did Ooh. there? Yeah. yeah, it's it's worse than that, Zach. It's <laughs> it worse than that. It is worse than that. SEC charges San Antonio advisor in fifty eight million dollar investment scam. A new new report 
has come out uh, by the SEC showcasing the fraudulent uh, the fraudulent activities of a Robert Mueller and Deep Root companies in general we'll get into. I read a short article by Melanie Waddell, Waddell um, kind of highlighting some of the some of the key parts of this, and we'll talk about that now. But before we do that, David, uh, it's most appropriate to kind of have you're in finance, right? You're, you're yeah, you get yeah. some so of this we'll, stuff. We'll start off with the disclaimer here, right? So I'm here as in my own personal, uh, you know, opinion. This is not the opinion of my company. It's not the opinion of my my mutual fund dealership, nor Nissan. I not. <laughs> I am. I am not a, a lawyer. I am not an accountant, any of those things. We're going to link all of the the SEC filing that I'm looking at at the moment and, of course, the article that uh, Zach has said in there. So a lot of this is my own opinion, and I will be reading directly from the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission document. Oh, man. I feel feel a big coverage here. Okay. So you're comfortable, given your experience and your current occupation, you're comfortable... Uh, discussing and understanding the content to which has been released. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff, I can add some context to why they would use certain words in this filing. Okay. Uh, why, you know, the process that's usually around um, being audited by a regulator, all of that stuff. Now, of course, in Canada, where I am, we are regulated differently. We have different terms, but there are a lot of similarities. And I can see that in some of the verbiage and words that they use within this SEC filing. So the first thing is, I've noted here on what's in front of me, it says jury trial demanded. So the SEC says that they want this to go to a jury trial. And it says that it's against Robert J. Mueller, Deep Root Funds, LLC, and Policy Services, Inc. as the defendants. Okay. And then this is where we get into something a little bit different that I think people are then a bit confused about. And then it names Deep Root Tech, Deep Root Pinball, Deep Root Studios, Deep Root Sports and Entertainment. Sports and Entertainment. Deep Root Silicon, uh, Silicon, Robert J. Mueller, Jeffrey L. Mueller, Belinda G. Breen, and the who are the co-trustees of M.B. Hale, Ona revocable trust and they are called the relief defendants okay so robert Mueller and deep root you're gonna call him Mueller this whole damn segment or mueller should i call him mueller mueller i I spent i spent you know a whole presidency calling a guy Mueller, and now i gotta call him mueller i don't know what it is all right well whatever we know from silverball chronicles i'm gonna call him i'm gonna call him bobby pinball Bobby Pinball. So okay. Bobby Pinball and Deep Root Funds and Policy Services is are the defendants. And then there's these other people that are caught up in it, right? Which is the pinball companies and all the other shenanigans. $58 million. Yeah. Um, so $58 million across, it says here, number one, right out of the gate, 300 people who invested roughly uh, $58 million. And of course, that's U.S. To be honest, that's not a lot of money. Fuck if it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it, it's a lot of money. But when it comes to investment firm sizes, mm-hmm. particularly in the US, like you guys have massive investment firms. They're huge. $58 million in Canada is, is pretty big, right? But it's not astronomically massive, right? But, if you don't have $100 yeah. million in the US under administration, you're basically a nobody. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good to note here. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that even though we would we would picture, uh, you know, 
Robert as this big, you know, billionaire or whatever. This is not, this is not a huge number. So, you know, we're talking $200,000 per client, mm-hmm. right? Which is large. That's that is actually the, the client asset size is in fact large. The overall size of the business is not large. Generally, when you're generating revenue from this type of business, you're getting the advisory side of it. So what are you paying for the advice? Mm-hmm. So you'll pay a fee for that around maybe 1%. And then you're paying the investment cost or the actual like buying and selling and, you know, things like that of the investment management, which is maybe around 1% as well. So, you know, large asset size, business is not massively huge. It's big, you know, by any means, but it's not. So from an investment standpoint, kind of a small fish here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that because there's a lot of the, um, very mom and pop some of the some of the things that are noted in here like little things that they're doing mm. or or deep root and and bob are doing well bobby pinball was a noob financial <laughs> noob okay yeah. all right yeah so they had a 505 575 fund was the name of this fund what is that 575 so basically what it means is it's a marketing gimmick that says that and I'm, and I'm reading directly from the filing here Investors committed their principal investment for five years and elected to receive either simple interest at 7% paid out in a lump sum Mm -hmm. at the end of the five-year term or 5% simple interest paid out monthly installments for each of the five years. Okay. Thus, the 575 name. So I give, you know, I give, uh, I give him a hundred grand. And I can't touch it for seven years, and then at the end of the at the end of the seven years, I get uh, my hundred grand plus thirty five thousand dollars. Okay, basically is is what I get from that. Okay, right. And then if I chose to do an income stream, so like if I'm retired, and I need money, right, on a monthly basis to pay my bills and all that stuff, right? I give him a hundred grand, I make uh, twenty five thousand dollars, and he gives that to me on a monthly basis for sixty months at like four hundred and sixteen dollars. Okay. So that's how I understand that. What, what, but what does life insurance policies have to do with any of that? Aha. Okay. So I looked this up a couple of years ago and it does not seem, it's not sketchy in any way. Well, beyond what has been mentioned here. $58 million. <laughs> okay. So it's not uncommon for businesses to start that manage to generate returns from life insurance. That's not anything crazy. Okay. Okay. So the idea is basically deep root uh, you know, the 575 fund would purchase a life insurance policy and then they would pay you for your life insurance policy. And then when you die, I would get the money from that okay. minus the lump sum that I gave you to buy it and any payments that I had to make. Hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, as much as it's going to for me. Okay. Let's assume I got a million dollar policy let's and I need you're money. talking to somebody that understands, but yeah. <laughs> okay so let me get let me get the the crayons out here for you. it's like is is life insurance policy the low-hanging fruit then here in this well, equation so so there's only a couple of things uh you know that are guaranteed in life death and taxes right so yeah. you're gonna die hopefully uh later than sooner my friend okay but yeah. if i have a life insurance policy let's say it's for a million dollars and i need money well uh, there's a couple of things i could do i can go to the bank and tell the bank hey i got this million dollar policy can i get a loan yeah. And I can use it as collateral and they'll give me money. Okay. Or I can use a life insurance policy and I can, this is a, a thing that has popped up in the last 20 years or so where I can sell my policy to a company. They take ownership of the policy 
and they take and they become the beneficiary if I die. So no longer does my family get the life insurance policy if I'm hit by a bus, the investment firm. Does. And you're doing that to to free up some capital or some money to free to free up some money, right? I gotta I gotta I gotta pay for my my uh, you know my K five. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, I gotta, I gotta do anything that you would do: pay your mortgage, buy a dog. And you can't, uh, from what I understand, you can't get money by killing yourself because that's kind of against the policy terms. You can, but see, the problem with that <laughs> make is it look like an that you're dead and you don't want to be dead. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. right. So, so you got a million dollar policy. Let's say I'm just pulling numbers out of a hat here. Uh, Deep Root Funds pays me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars cash for that million dollar policy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then they have to pay the premiums if it's not paid for until I die. Okay. Okay. What benefit do they get out of it then? So when that, when I die, they would get the entire million dollar policy for $750,000. So they would make a return on my death. So they're banking on you dying. Right. You know, that's business. But um, there's there's a lot of variables in this kind of thing, Zach, right? You got to figure in how much is pay, you know, how do you pay me too much, right? Like maybe you pay me too much up front. What's the monthly uh, premium payment for that, right? If I had taken the monthly premium payment and that lump sum and just put it in the market and made 8%, oh, yeah, yeah. why would I take the risk of you living for another 20 years and not passing away? It, it feels like you're playing stocks with humans. To me, it, okay. Yeah, that is basically what it is. But okay. you call it life insurance. Uh, <laughs> right. it, it feels less bad, but that's basically what it is. Now you're helping some people because they're going to need money to pay their bills and all that stuff. And they've got no other way to access money. Mm. So where did Robert Mueller and deep root companies go wrong? What happened? Well, by the looks of this, this filing, there's a couple of things that were happening here. One is they were not generating enough revenue or, or interest to, to break it down on the money that was invested and the life insurance policies that were being paid out to pay those clients monthly. Mm. Okay. Those so opt- these, opted for the monthly. Okay. Right. So f- about 45%, according to the filing of those people, uh, elected to get a monthly income from their uh, investment capital. Now, <laughs> if people aren't dying... <laughs> Or you're paying them too much up front and the benefit that you're getting as the investor is not high enough, mm-hmm. you're not generating enough to pay that. And yeah, this it's is all, where we it's get all into waste of time. Like it's useless even proposition. You're wanting people to die so that you can you can uh, you could sell high on your stock of human beings, right? Is this an ignorant way to look at it? But they're not dying and you're you're end up spending more than if you were to even facilitate any of this. Yeah. So what my assumption is right out of the gate is there was some sort of complaint that was probably filed on behalf of a client. And then the regulator kind of went in. And then as a like as a you know, when a regulator comes into your business is terrifying, right? Because, Uh, yeah, you know, they go through and they're looking at every file. They're looking at all the signatures. They're looking at all the verbiage on a micro detail where before they were not doing that. Right. They're They're coming in to regulate. Right. And, and I think that there was some sort of complaint and then that's sort of what opened the door. And then they started looking and then they found stuff. What kind of stuff? Well, let's, let's wind it back a little bit. Okay. So when a, you got to tease me. Okay. This document 
when people are like, oh, well, you know, they might have, you know, they still have to do their investigation and they have, no, it's done. Yeah. It seemed like it was done. It, it's all done. The investigation is over. This is the report from the investigation, which is then suggested that they, they would like a, uh, by the, by the, by the reading here, they would like a jury trial demanded. Now, of course, these are all allegations. This is, you know, we'll throw in the old allegedly part in here. Mm-hmm. But it's not looking it's not looking so, too hot. So they have not been proven guilty by the Supreme Court or Court of Law, but right. this regulator, uh, as part of the SEC, has conducted an investigation and has given this report showing their findings thus to be used in a later uh, requested court hearing. Is that correct? Yes. And I will also add that the SEC seems pretty formal. Uh, of an organization or administration they, they don't seem like they would they don't seem like they would paint with their words in a report this was pretty strong the words that they were using things like ponzi scheme and defrauding uh, and quote like a piggy bank to fund mueller's deep root affiliated businesses are they typically this strongly worded it was it was bleeding. The SEC will not make a filing a regulator will not make a filing unless it's a slam dunk oh Right. Like that's important. Okay. So for example, in Canada, uh, I can literally lose my license and get, have a report like this filed. If I have a, a client form, which is blank and is signed by a client, Mm. no transactions, no money moved hands, you know, no, no, no money, but the potential for me to be able to fill in a document with anything that I want with a client's blank signature or a blank form with a client's signature on it is enough to get me basically thrown out and fined from our uh, mutual fund regulator here in Canada. So okay. this is, this is not good. <laughs> it didn't feel good when I read it. <laughs> so 24 so, pages. Oof. So it would, it says here that the defendants purchased no new life insurance policy for the funds after September of 2017, despite raising $43 million for the fund after that time. So the, the fund is supposedly buying, you know, the majority of which is life insurance policies, but they haven't bought anything since 17. That's four years ago. Right. Now it also says on their documentation, which, which the SEC has seen, and it's later on in the document here, where they talk about uh, what's called a PPM. In Canada, I think we call that fun facts or... Uh, <laughs> so much nicer. Yeah, okay. I know, exactly. But it's, or, uh, you know, we might call it uh, something else, MFRP maybe. But anyway, it says here... That it's sounds a private pla- Yeah, totally. MFRP. <laughs> uh, private placement memoranda, which is basically the document which sort of guides... Uh, how the investments are done and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in there, it says that the majority of which will be in, in insurance policies, but they're not purchasing any insurance policies after 17, which is interesting. Then the next line says that the defendant used the vast majority of the fund's assets like a piggy bank to fund Robert's deep root affiliated businesses, the relief defendants. And he's saying the majority. They're saying the majority here. Right. Yeah. Mueller funneled more than 30 million of the funds assets to the relief defendants, the non-arms length transactions. What's that mean? So what that says is that the money goes into the fund 
and is moved into the relief defendants, which are the other Deep Root affiliated companies, which would include Deep Root Pinball. Okay. What about the other 28 million then? It's sitting somewhere else, I guess. Okay. All right. That's a lot of money. 30 million. Right. It's, it's It could be tied up in, in other business ventures, could be tied up in investment capital and in other things, could be on the stock market. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Uh, it, anyway... This is where this is where it gets heavy. Okay, so I'm reading again from that document. Just now getting heavy. Okay. <laughs> Since 2015, neither the life insurance policies nor the capital investments of the affiliated businesses, so the deep root businesses, mm-hmm. had yielded significant revenue or cash flow for the defendant or the fund. Oh. Okay, so the money that's being invested into the relief departments, i.e., the pinball company and the sporting company and all of those other things has not generated any returns or enough returns. So this is where I think we get into some serious trouble. This caused Mueller and policy services to default on the purchase of one $10 million face value life insurance policy, losing nearly 3.5 million of the funds money in the process. Ouch. So they had to pay, they bought a life insurance policy, which they paid somebody a, a bunch of money. And they Human were probably stock paying, is what I call it, but okay. <laughs> they were paying the life insurance premiums of the policy. Okay. And because they didn't have enough money in the policy, the policy lapsed. Ooh. So usually what happens is if you make a bad investment in a fund or a, a deal goes bad, you get a negative return, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it, th- it that must not be what happened here. Oh, okay. It also caused Mueller and Deep Root to make more than $820,000 of, and this is important, Ponzi-like payments Ouch. God, that term. to early investors in the funds using money raised from new investors and to make at least $177,000 in payments from money borrowed on short-term basis using the life insurance policies as collateral. Okay, why did they use the term Ponzi-like payments? payments mm. stealing from peter to pay paul what is that How kind that? of okay so why didn't they just say a ponzi scheme uh-huh ponzi like right ponzi so said ponzi like quasi ponzi the fund okay was not originally intended or constructed as a ponzi scheme is what that tells me this is something that happened by accident out of panic or necessity or you know he made a really really unethical and bad decision to kick the can down the road mm-hmm. because of su- because of this error but, is, is what I is what I get from here, and this is all allegations. I don't sure, get it, but this is sure. my assumption. But Dave, right? could it also not be argued that because uh, this uh, because of this investigation did not yield uh, quite enough details to confirm a Ponzi scheme, thus going with a, a more light uh, terminology of Ponzi like? Because uh, maybe there, what I'm asking is. Is there a scenario that there was intention to do that, but with lack of enough evidence to call it full-blown Ponzi, they just called it Ponzi-like? That That's a possibility. But I would say I would say what happened here is he defaulted on this insurance policy, uh, which caused some problems, and there's money problems. S- for some reason, he needed to pay some people their monthly deposits. Mm. He was short, so he moved money from one place to another to pay that. That's a no-no. That's a, that is a no-no, right? That is in fact a Ponzi. I don't think he constructed it as so. I think because something wasn't going well, or some there was an error. Uh, well, hold up, hold up. Are you claiming that there, there was ignorance here? 
Like, like we've all seen how Bobby Pinball has sure, done deep root pinball. Sure, but I don't know. <laughs> so, he, so something happened here where they were okay. short and they had to make up money, whatever reason. Okay. The other thing is pretty interesting is that he went to a bank and said, "I got all these insurance policies. I need a loan to make up the rest of this shortfall to pay these clients." Oh. And that's what that is. Okay. Right. So that's that's. That seems like what they're at, what the allegations are here of, of that section. If I was Bobby Pinball, I'd be in investing in some fucking ant acids because oh oh man, I don't know if I like, oh this sounds like stress. Now the other thing when it comes to uh, ethical lapses, what the regulator found is that they found in a lot of the documentation and communications that he would have with people. So we're talking emails. Uh, we're talking, you know, websites like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe the Facebook page and things oh, like that. Yeah. A lot of that stuff had that he received. No, it's the way they say, despite making suggestions, he took no compensation from the funds. He commingled the funds in deep root and policy service bank accounts and made salary payments of $1.6 million from 2016 to 2020. So the money that was is for himself. In- Right, but so, and and further on in the document, I'm not going to get that deep, further on in the document, basically, the money goes into the fund, then it gets transferred to policy services, which is his own sort of company, mm-hmm. and then policy services pays him. Okay. So the fund is not paying him, so he is not getting compensated from the fund, but he is getting compensated for money from the fund from another company. That's just a little loophole, okay. <laughs> I mean, why might he have done that? Why didn't he take it direct then? I don't know. Okay. Why would he do that? He would he would do that to say that he wasn't getting compensated from the fund to make people feel better, I Sounds guess. Sounds a little premeditated to me, allegedly. But okay. Uh, then they get into 1.5 million of the fund's assets were paid to pay personal expenses. And this is in his, addition to the 1.6 million. Yeah, so this okay. is another bit of compensation. So he's <laughs> just, getting paid $400,000 a year, basically, in salary from another company that's not the fund company. Gotcha, okay. This included these what he personal buy? expenses. What do you buy? They mm. included his daughter's private school tuition. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, that's a that's a given, all right? Yeah, vacations and cruises with his family. Who doesn't love that? His second wedding. Well, the first one didn't work. His second divorce. Uh, then again, you know, sometimes uh, two times two times is not enough. Okay, so then his third wedding. Oh, so he went he tripled down. Okay. Jewelry for both his second and third wives, wow. including the engagement rings and wedding bands. I wonder which one got the nicer set. Probably the third one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show number two. Okay. Yeah. Other lifestyle spending for or by his family. So that would just be dinners, I guess. They are and, a lifestyle brand. Then. <laughs> and and condominium in Hawaii. Not just Hawaii, but the, the small island of Kauai. Lovely you and blue Hawaii. With all this love. You know, the SEC is going to sit you down and they're going to ask you questions. And they are going to write down your answers and then those answers will be included in their findings and he said look it's because i don't like the big island it's too touristy i like the small quaint Kauai. i like the i like the curves and the bends in the road there's one there's one round road that goes around the island my my kia my kia just corners so well because it knows it's closer to home i need a uke right now A, a kia in Kauai, hawaii I would love that. Dreams come true 
So, when asked by the SEC counsel during investigative testimony about the use of the fund's assets to pay for these personal and family expenses, <laughs> Mueller <laughs> asserted his Fifth Amendment right Ooh. against self-incrimination. Um, no, but I can tell you that I plead defensive. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that's self-explanatory. Is it? Why does one plead the fifth? Because they're concerned that they may say something <laughs> stupid. They don't want to. I plead the fifth. Five. One, two, three, four, fifth. Anything you say, fifth. A- anyway, so that's, you know. Oh, my God. So then it goes, like, then it goes into a There's few other more? things. <laughs> so... Because the relief defendants received proceeds from the defendants' fraudulent conduct without providing consideration in exchange, they have no legitimate claim to the money. Accordingly, relief defendants were unjustly enriched and must disgorge their ill-gotten gains as the result of the defendants' violations. Okay, in people terms? All of the relief defendants, all the deep root companies, the pinball company, the the other, all those other rouse names. a pre-order people, yeah, right. Uh, sports and entertainment. What is that? Uh, Robert's father Jeffrey and his stepmother Belinda, who are the trustees of a trust company, mm-hmm. all are on the hook because they were given money that was from these people. Oh. So all of the salaries paid at Deep Root were paid with money, allegedly, from these people, as opposed to making a pinball machine, making money, and paying their staff. Also, you know, the trust company is what owns the um, Hawaii estate. Mm -hmm. So what has happened there, I assume, uh, because the trust company, and that some sort of family trust, that might be Robert's grandfather was a you know a business tycoon and made a bunch of money, and maybe his parents are trust fund people, okay. and Robert is a trust fund person. But because that trust fund received ill-gotten gains, they are now open to the SEC going after the money in there to pay back these people. But are they in trouble as well? Yeah, so they're in trouble just because they got the money. And then that's opened them up, I think. Wow. I don't know how the U.S. works, but the, 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 it's opened up that trust fund and whatever is in that trust fund to pay the money. You're, you, you, Raza folk, you're done. I'm sorry. You're, that's it's gone. not happening. Yeah, yeah. it's gone. So then it goes into then it goes into like the actual details, right? About bank accounts that were you know used for one way or another. Uh, you know, commingling the money, marketing practices that weren't really on the up and up. It it would appear as though Robert had copied and pasted some information and forgot to change the fund name on some stuff because he's doing it ad hoc. He was told by some sort of accountant at one time he needed if he's going to give money to one company to another, he's got to, you know, put that in the in the regulatory documents, which he kind of did. So it's all the details are there. Please, please look it up and read it for yourself. The devil's Um, in them. But but it's 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 not good. Like it, this is, this is like from somebody like me who's in finance and you know, it's what he was doing is, is really hard. <laughs> right? What do you like, mean by that though? It's like, you got to move money around and he's not, I honestly, to be totally honest, I think it has more to do with him 
Much like the pinball venture being a way in over his head. I see. And when you start with an original sin and then it spirals, mm. right? Like you got to keep lying to cover up your lie. It, right. So, I mean, if you go, if you go and you watch that deep root seminar from expo, a few Do years I have back, to? you don't have to, okay. but you can watch that and you can see his bravado. Okay. My assumption is he's like that all the time. And he obviously has a difficult time admitting when he's wrong or mistakes or it's there in black and white. Things did not go well. And he knew they uh, weren't going well. And he knew they weren't going well, but he was trying to fix them. And by fixing them, he was making it worse. And I feel so bad for all these people. That's a, it's a pretty big, bold statement that he was trying to fix them in your opinion, because this is the same person that roughly paid themselves $1.6 million uh, in four years as well as an additional $1.5 million uh, in other funds, including vacations and jewelry yeah, so, and stuff like that. You know, much like, uh, much like other sales folk, investment people, your clients are your friends, family, people that you meet at your daughter, daughter's private school. Idaho neighbor. Um, neighbor. Your, your, you know, your neighbors at your retirement village. Uh, if you have a car collection, your, you know, your clients are your friends that you go racing with on your private track. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the people you golf with. Oh, yeah. And unless you can keep up that lifestyle pace, right? You you got to fake it till you make it. Oh. You know what I mean? Like most of my clients, uh, you know, besides the, the clients that I inherited from from the business that I that I that I'm involved in, mm-hmm. all of my new clients are all, you know, other soccer parents on my kid's soccer team, uh, you know, neighbors who are my same age. The people who've been, def- you know, allegedly defrauded here. Whales were are all somewhere in 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 Robert's social circle, and unless you're in that social circle with high net worth individuals or their parents, then you're not getting those clients. Sounds like elitists to me. But. It's 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 bad. Whew. Yeah, I feel really bad. Sounds for like these a folk. Dennis Creasel group of people he'd like to hang. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, again, right, I'm not registered in any of these, uh, you know, jurisdictions. I'm, you know, I'm a Canadian financial advisor. I'm saying it on my own as I read it. It's in no professional capacity. But, it, you know, that is bad. Like, this is bad. So what happens? What's going to happen? So I would assume he would go to, a, a again, not a lawyer, uh, don't know U.S. law, don't know any of that stuff. He would go to a trial by jury. And he and his counsel uh, would be able to lay a defense against these allegations, all of which laid under the facts section in here, all have emails, uh, documentation, his interview answers, all of the stuff that's written in here has come from a big uh, investigation by the SEC. Is he praying for a mistrial? Is this the only way out here? I don't know how how it would work. Um, I, he, I don't know. This is this, yeah. is this is this is the SEC is a federal body in the mm-hmm. U.S. Is, is my understanding, and that means uh, federal uh, prison. Now I don't know how if you if you worked with the regulators and you came clean and you gave them you know the answers they needed and you didn't obstruct them. You know, you feel remorse. You relinquish your, your licenses and your right. You, yeah. you know, they may be lenient if you fight it tooth and nail, you know, they tend to go a little stronger. Mm. Uh, you know, if you do a plea deal, right. You know, those things. And that, that comes from my, um, 
criminology background here in Canada is that when it comes to first, they have to go to trial. They have to determine if these facts are correct and it would be a jury trial. So an actual selected jury, this is not going to be solved here, um, you know, in the next six months, right? This is going to drag out for a while. So we're going to have another delay for Roses. Is that what you're telling me, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) No, my. Uh, Forget food truck. God, food truck. You know what makes me so mad is once again, John Norris gets the shaft. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, man. I was so Not excited good for shaft. him. Shaft. So there's a good there's a good likelihood that he is either done in life or done and in jail. Or prison. Not even jail. Prison. Yeah, I'm sure none of these people would like to talk to him at the moment. So here's the thing, right? Nobody at Deep Root Pinball LLC, if we tie it back to pinball, would know any of this. They wouldn't know how their paychecks were getting made. They would just know that their paychecks arrived. We don't know that for sure, but okay. Right. I, you know, Steve Bowden is not cooking the books over at Deep Root, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He shows up like everybody else shows up. Not that we he, know he, of, yeah. he He programs on the pin bar. You know, they, they do those things. John Norris is, I don't know. He's in like Nevada somewhere and he's doing. Nordman already left. Right. So all those people, they're all, you know, quote unquote, getting paid. How is the, hold up. How is J pop affiliate? Like what are the, well, this is, this is, this is all clearly J pop's uh, scheme. I was going to say, what are the odds (laughs) that J pop is associated with all this? Right. He's not. That's the thing. He just shows up and does his job. He, they wouldn't know know any of of it. They wouldn't know any of, of this stuff. Wow. They're, they're just what they call the relief defendants, that company, because the money is moving from, you know, his other companies, uh, his other, you know, policy services and moving into the deep root stuff. Now, in the documentation, it says that the, the people are aware that they are investing in other deep root businesses, but I don't think that they had a reasonable expectation as to what was going on. It's a lot of salaries there. And paying salaries yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So we- anybody, anybody who literally got any money from deep root, that money was the money of these investors. Mm-hmm. So if you if you took money for advertising, if you took money for your YouTube channel, if you took money in salaries, if you took money, and that's why they are named relief defendant. Now, of course, you don't know that, right? So don't feel bad because you were you know tricked as much as these people were allegedly defrauded, right? So yeah. it's tough. Well, it's like if I was uh, if I was gardening and I went and, and did some gardening for. Uh, a family and that family turned out to be the mob it's not like i you know and i know don't take me to i thought jail. it was interesting when i when i drove over that body in the backyard but i thought the choice of hibiscus this time of year was weird too but uh, it's a job my thoughts and hearts go out to all of those who lost money in this deal it's another stain on the pinball industry and one that i thought we were getting further and further from but shit happens and on a lighter note Dave, what does this mean for the Goonies? <laughs> oh, yeah. It means the license might be open for somebody else. It's <sighs> a good way of looking at it. All right, so is that, the, is that the rest of the pinball news? Like, how do you move on from that depressing news? Cowboys? Rootin' tootin', baby. We're jumping from Texas. We're jumping to the West. Chicago Gaming Company officially announced during a seminar at the Southern Fried Gaming Expo this past week that their next game, number four, it's going Ooh, to be, and they showed it? Well, it's going to be a remake of Cactus Canyon. There you go. Boom. Outdated wow. logo. That's the worst kept secret in pinball since GNR. Yeah. Well, you got to feed them breadcrumbs, I suppose, Dave. But no, they didn't They didn't show it. No sizzle reel, SDTM, sexiness, none of that. They didn't get a spec sheet. They didn't get pricing. Didn't get availability. They didn't get it's anything. Did, 
Did they talk about powder coating? No, uh, Ryan White was there. He's VP of sales over at Chicago Gaming Company. He was over there giving a seminar and was trying to give some details of Chicago Gaming Company as a whole, such as using technology like XLCDs or RGB integrated illumination, playfield PCBs, interactive toppers, Chicago bro, Gaming bro, Pinball bro, Interactive toppers. Yeah, I know. Show me your toppers, baby. This one's supposed to be interactive. An interactive game on a topper. <laughs> oh my. Man, I guess my juice is flowing. I can feel you just sweating right now. Oh. Like, a, like a, like. You were going to say whore in church, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping the class up here, buddy. You bring, you bring on me to keep the class oh, man. high <clears throat> on the pinball show. We didn't see anything. No, we did get a report from TPN CGC correspondent Matt Morrison saying that the game should be revealed in the next four to six weeks and in customers' hands one to two weeks thereafter. Well, they, I mean, if that's the case, then they're, they're building them, right? Um, one with one to two weeks, like four to six weeks. And then two weeks after that, yeah, they so should you're be... looking at eight weeks tops, two months. So it puts us uh, October. And they said customers, right? Not customer. It's very true. So it's not like they just have one in somebody's house in two weeks. Yeah, I would, I would, don't hold your breath there, people. I think we'll see some to play at Expo. I think mm. we'll see some start to trickle out slowly. I've, I've played an original Cactus Canyon. What were your thoughts? You know, it's, it was, all right. I liked it. It was all right. It was it's fun. It was, Williams, it was yeah. flowy. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's not something I'd pay a fortune for. So it's nice to see the remake is coming out. It's not the second coming. Yeah. Or for I Robert mean, it's, Mueller's it's case, fun. the third like, coming. Hey, hey, oh. it's not um, Attack from Mars. You know, it's not medieval madness. I'll tell you that. Okay. But it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. They also reported that the CCR coding is finished. So what was what, the holdup then? Well, there's a bathroom on the right. <laughs> they said. That's how that goes, right? CCR. <laughs> I played that last week. That was last week's episode. Uh, they did indicate that it's a, it's a licensing approval holdup. That's what's causing the holdup here. The, allegedly. Uh, this is allegedly episode. So I don't know where it's at. I don't know why they revealed it. I, look, I, as a dealer, I don't know why they didn't contact us prior to and said, hey, just as a heads up, we're going to announce this Cactus Cane. We feel like you guys should know from a business standpoint before our consumers. But yeah, it's just details. Simple details. It's pinball, nah, baby. I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you want to sort of trickle it out and build up some excitement and some anticipation. Yeah. Right? Because as soon as they give it to you guys, you're going to leak it anyway. Well, the problem is, as a dealer, I'm getting flooded with messages. Hey, I want to be on the list. Hey, how many LEs are you getting? Hey, when can I get this? Hey, how much money is it? Hey, it's like, well, I've not even been informed from CGC that there is anything. Ooh, so you're, you're, you're steamed like a, like a pot of clams, my friend. No, I'm friends with them over there. It's not a big deal, but it would be nice to have some info. That's all. They talked about the team members over at CGC, Doug Duba, the president and owner, Sean Wilson, project manager, Sam Zare, uh, programmer, Butch Peel. We've heard that name, lead service hey, engineer. Hey, he ended up over here. Good for uh-huh. him. Jim Thornton, project manager. Kind of a new, wait a minute. They were Joe Schober. Joe Schober, programmer. The Shobe. The fair. Oh, no, the Shobe's over here? Wait. So that's news. I didn't know that you spelled Lyman Sheets, Joe Schober. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah. Nicely done on many levels. Nicely done. Coming soon. <laughs> Joe Schober from American Pinball. I, I'm pretty sure he's still working on a game in American Pinball. Well, he so, worked on the previous one. So he worked on Oktoberfest. He worked on Hot Wheels. And to my knowledge, he was working on the next one or two or whatever. So, so what you're telling me here, Zach, is Joe Schober 
didn't take the same Uber as Joe Balser a couple of months back when they left. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's true. Nicely done. Uh, I think Balser had to take a plane over to, was it Korea? Where are they making them pins at? The good Korea. The good Korea. The Samsung Korea. <laughs> uh, other announcements from Ryan White at CGC is that they are making more MMR accessory kits. Those XL displays, toppers, RGB lighting. So thank God they were. And so there's, those are on the way. And more MMR production coming early 2023. 2023. I feel like it's the video game industry. Is, now. That, ty- is that a typo? No, it's 2023. He's going to he's gonna run into the direct competition of Steve Ritchie's next game. Oh, yeah. Man, you're witty. I can see why your podcast is so successful now. Oh, I'm so good. You're quick like a creasel, but softer, like a Twinkie. <laughs> do you guys have Twinkies up there? Or do you name them? We still stuff? have Twinkies here. You okay. guys don't have Twinkies anymore. Do we not? I think somebody bought them. I think somebody's making the Twinkie. Twinkies are always more appealing the nostalgic taste of them. So um, I've never, uh, I never had a Twinkie cause I always looked at the what? back of that at the, at the, uh, the nutritional information or lack thereof nutritional this information, pl- some plastic ingredients and simple. I'm, yeah, and I'm already, you know, I'm already, uh, what doctors call a little bit of a weight problem. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm always trying to manage my weight cause I could put on weight really quickly if I'm not careful. So I'm like, is that Twinkie really worth it? You think is of a really Twinkie and it? it goes on your ass, huh? Just goes right to my hips. But they are ramping up. CGC's ramping up production. So they're going to have two production lines. And right now they've got five games in the works. Uh-oh. Don't go all Bobby Pinball on me now, Ryan. Five games. Not one. Not two. Get me a I Theater of Magic, man. Pin. No. Update some of the code on Theater of Magic. Sure, mm, sure. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Getting all hot and bothered now. Perfect world to get Lyman over there. <gasps> mm. Updating them codes. Just saying. Just saying. Stern Pinball also in the news. Keith Elwin, he visited TPN's very own final round pinball podcast this past week with Jeff and Martin. Did you hear that one? Oh, yes, I did. You know, I'm I'm so glad that Jeff and Martin are part of TPN. They do mm-hmm. a heck of a job. And when they talk to uh, these insider folk like the Keith Elwins of the world, yeah. you know, the rapport that they have with those individuals means that the quality of yep. the interview is so much better. Couldn't have said it better. It's just natural. Oh, because if I natural. talked to Keith Elman, I'd be like, "Hey, uh, Keith, can you tell me about the? Can you tell me about the coffin lock?" <laughs> uh, what yeah. you working on next, Keith? They're what so you comfortable on next? with huh? Keith Elwin that, that Martin said that to Keith Elwin's face that you know you got to save one person between him and IU Pinball's Carl D'Angelo. He'd save Carl. So buddies over there i would throw carl d'angelo under a bus that was doused in gasoline to save keith elwin <laughs> a direct capture bus <laughs> <laughs> yeah i throw sound him, would be I'd, so good i'd throw them both under the bus for dwight sullivan <laughs> yeah dwight because the, the headlights on the bus were so bright oh, you couldn't yeah. see and they got in the way it had to go in there somewhere Keith Elwin talked about uh, past games as well as a future game. He said of his three produced games right now, his favorite, he thinks, uh, Jurassic Park. I, th- I think Jurassic Park is his hardest game, but it is his best game. And he talked, I don't know, a couple of years ago, right, about how that production got switched around and they kind of shoved it out as quick as they could. And Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. Other than that really. O shot. I take awesome it back. It's, it's a masterpiece minus some of the assets. 
Yeah. Those shots, perfect. Don't, God, everybody wanting these easy games. Let's not get into that fight again. Can everybody take away every hard shot pinball? Yeah, I'm sorry there, Mr. Man, you, top 100 ranked. Oof, uh, you and you and I and the group over at TPN, that's the benefits of that Discord channel. Wow. That was fun, wasn't it? Was some a, of us had to take a walk after a good, that. Good hearty little discussion there. Zach against the world. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't want to update it to Wonka to 2.0. Fuck off, people. Keith Elwin also thinks that fan layouts in general are just boring. And his goal is to provide something different on every title that he leads. He's accomplished it. Everyone is totally different. Absolutely. I don't know. Anybody now wait until he gets to 20 machines and it's all, everybody's going to be like, well, that's the same shot as Jurassic Park. Yeah. That feels he like the, the Goonies. Well, for God's sakes, like he can do that because he's only three games in. Everybody complains about Steve Ritchie, who's the top no, of the next Silverball Chronicles game. Oh. Or the next. So on the next episode of Silverball Chronicles, here's a little tease for everybody. Like We're it. talking about part three of Steve Ritchie. And his all the critiques recently have been like, all of his games look exactly the same. Well, that's because the guy's been doing this for 40 years. Yeah. And if you want flow, you usually go with the fan layout. He's king of flow. Yeah. I, so as you soon know as Keith gets up to 20 games... I disagree. The narrative will change. I disagree. I think Keith, based on what he has showed uh, in his, his previous three games, I think that's enough evidence to showcase that not only is he doing, it would be different if he was doing something different within his designs. Well, when he's doing something different, listener, compared to all of pinball in the past, I think that's a good measurement that we can use to, to say of all 20 games, he's going to do something different in every one of them. And some of it's going to work, some of it's not going to work. But thus far, he's batting 1,000. Or is he betting a hundred? What is that phrase? Betting a thousand, betting <laughs> He did talk about game four. It's coming. It's hot. It's fresh. Ooh. And it's similar in rule structure as Iron Maiden. I'm okay with that. I played Iron Maiden. I think I understand the rules, but I don't understand what similar rule structure, pretty straightforward. They all seem complicated. Yeah, to me. <laughs> I think Keith Owen, Keith Owen likes to use a, a, um, a structure where you have these tasks that you've got these play field components that you have to get so many of. But then you also have a separate task of mode-based play. And then you have a separate task of like integrating both of them as well as little side side hustle missions. So where's my very target, Keith? He put it in Iron Maiden Premium LE. That's that what he count. would that's what he'd tell you. That the captive bowl very target. It it was okay. That's He's, not a that's not a very target. They took a very target out of Iron Maiden. But he would say that Avengers, the tower, is a very target. I disagree. Well, you can send your hate mail into the pinball I mean, network. I, I guess I don't know enough about the depth of the rules to where if you only get up to the second opto, if that gives you a different point status in the first, I don't know. But you're always going to make it to the top anyway. Not always. Not always. Get a little clunk here. You shoot it wrong. There's never any clunk in Keith's game. You take that back. Mm. Oh, there totally is. There totally is. But don't ever <laughs> don't say anything negative. Speak negative about Keith Halloween. He talked about game four and he said, quote, should be pretty straightforward. Once you see the play field, you should be like, oh, that's obvious. So he's saying this one's going to be understandable. You look at the play field, it's going to tell you what, uh, what you need to be doing. So much so that there's an insert that says like add a ball. They're asking about add a ball. So there's an insert that indicates that and you activate it using maybe the action button, which Jeff Teals love to hear. Very cool. I hope you have to mash it a bunch of times. Thanks, Dwight. What I didn't know, this was this was news to me, Dave, that no game designer can get 
an LE of their own design game unless they buy through a dealer. Why do you think the premium is always the most beautiful art package? Because <laughs> that's the one the designer wants to buy. Because they they work with the the artists. They're like, hey, uh, let, you know, slow down on the LE. Let's put the let's put the shine <laughs> yeah. on the premium. Do your best, but the one that I like the most, I'm going to put on. I don't want to have to deal with a distributor. Ugh. After hearing this information, Dave, you know me well enough. What did I do? Oh, oh, you called Keith and said, hey, I got an LE for you. I would call Keith, don't have his number, and if I called him, he wouldn't answer. I'd leave a voicemail, uh, but I think the result will be the same as I received this time. I did message him, and I said, Keith, that sucks. If that's true, that really sucks, and I think you deserve an LE of your, your game design. So here at Flipping Out Pinball, we would love to find a way to get you your next Ellie. Wow. See, you know, you're so generous. Look, uh, and it is what it and, is, but it's the right regular thing to do. markup. It's the right thing to do. I don't even know regular markup. No, not for Keith Elwin. No. So put that out there. <sighs> Didn't get a response, but, uh, so, but the topper though, he's going to have to, Ryan we're going to have to talk about the topper. He's paying full price, full ride. He probably doesn't like toppers if I had to guess. So, you know, but reached out to him because I think that's the right thing to do. That and is hey, the right thing to do. I Good will, for you. You yeah, are like, thank you. you're like some sort of I was like waiting for pinball the Jesus. There. Thank you. Uh, I think that term's already been taken. <laughs> Deep inside pinball right there, guys. Nope. I'll take the, um, eh, I'll take, uh, what do I want to take? I don't even know religion enough to know disciples <laughs> or, is there a Zechariah? <laughs> Maybe I'll be. You'd be, you'd be Zechariah. Yeah, of course. Saint. I'm a saint of some type. I mean, give me that, but this, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's, let's get that. Let's get that head just a little bit smaller. Let's just okay, yeah. whoop, whoop, okay. bring that down what just a little bit. Okay. You got anything else? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dennis Creasel still doesn't like me. Does it hurt your neck when you're sitting there podcasting with your head just falling over? Cause it's so big. I don't have a, like a neck brace. I don't have a large head. Uh, the proportion of my head, I think is close to perfection. Um, Greg Bone, big head, huge head. You yeah, but Greg Bone has head. the better jawline than you. Mm, yes, uh, oh, yes, and hair. I mean, let's mm. let's state the obvious here. Hair is key to that man. Facial hair also better. Damn, he's got an A plus butt. That man. <sighs> Actually, my ass is nicer than Greg's. It truly is. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Well, see you at Expo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have some media shakeups, pinball media shakeups. What the hell is going on? Oh, it's bad news. More bad news. Turbo graphics are good news. I guess it's all based on perception. Turbo graphics seven, our friends, Ryan Kuyper and Dave Brennan, they moved from the pinball network to Buffalo pinball this last week. Yeah. Congratulations. They're a very good streaming team. Absolutely. Big, big, uh, fans of turbo. They've been doing it for I years. I have actually, uh, been a, uh, subscriber of theirs on Twitch so I can get their awesome emoticons and things like that. So good team, uh, Aren't professional you pinball fun. Jesus. They, 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 I'll tell you what makes their stream a little more fun than everybody else's. Please do. They're playing games that are not the brand new modern stern LCD, which of course has a place in pinball mm -hmm. streaming, but they're doing like, they're streaming like Genesis Cyclops, Cyclops, yeah. right? Like, Diamond Lady. Oh, <laughs> John Norris. God, John Norris. I'm so yeah, angry. I know. He'll be around. He'll, he's coming around. 
We'll see John Norris <laughs> again soon, I promise. How about that for a for a tease? <sighs> TurboGrafx7. You're so good to me. We wish you the best. We think the world of you. I love you like a brother, and I did before the pinball network was even a thing. So um, their opportunity to join their friends over at Buffalo Pinball is one that makes sense to me and uh, one that you guys should support and follow as well. Go to Buffalo Pinball. I think he's still going to be taking Fridays. Um, he's going to be streaming under Buffalo. He's not getting rid of Turbo Graphics channel yet, uh, and maybe there'll be some random streams with Dave doing tech stuff on there, he told me. But just couldn't say anything greater about Ryan. He was professional. He's fun. He's courteous. Uh, reached out, discussed this with us. So, thank so you. So, what about you. this big, huge war? Are we supposed to like get our pitchforks and be all angry? And how <laughs> dare they leave? And Buffalo pinball. You think your chicken wings are so good? Are we supposed to do that now? We're. Sp- I, I guess. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, okay. I think we. Yeah, we continue to support Buffalo Pinball as we have. Yeah, we love yeah, those, man. There, it's a it's people. a big pond, man. There's no silly shenanigans or any of that angry. Like, honest to God, nope. There is good a, for them. Good people stick with good people. That's just how it works. Yeah, tuna. Give us a call, tuna. <laughs> We're gonna go. Oh, tuna. I haven't seen tuna stuff in a while. I got to check in. No, well, I was referring to the bad. And it, that kind of makes me sad, just because I I love the guys over at Turbo Graphics. But that's a good story. The sad story is uh, our friends over at the Poor Man's Pinball Podcast have a shakeup as well. Ian Haberman, he's uh, calling it quits. He's done. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. And I listened to uh, pulling his, a farewell. Fowler. his farewell was really, um, really heartfelt. It was, it it was, was kind of depressing. Good. It was good. It was uh, one of their best episodes, just be fair. <laughs> yeah. 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 The most polished and sober well thought out yeah but um you know it's a bummer man i really enjoyed ian when I, there was there yeah. were plenty of times when i would uh i would go see clients in uh in other cities and towns <laughs> new brunswick oh new brunswick i'd okay. travel out uh to see folk before the world ended and i was locked in my uh my office but uh i would listen to poor man's and i would i would laugh and (laughs) stuff like that it's pretty good and then of course just because somebody steps away doesn't mean they disappear forever right like no they're gonna keep going yeah uh, sometimes the the fowler stink comes back towards us and you know we it surrounds us for a little while and then we wave it away after a little while and, Mm -hmm. and hopefully the same thing will happen with ian yeah and he's uh he's a great dude I loved his explanation as to why. It was very thoughtful, and uh, he's wanting to put some time, more time back into the family. And the thing that rang true for me, and I I relate to this better than most, I think, just because I pour myself into this media stuff too. He said that the product that he was creating or, or, or conceptually thinking about and wanting to do, there was limits to resources and time to produce that product. Thus, he didn't feel fully great about the product he was producing because it wasn't the full vision that he would like to see done. Right. And, and once you start delaying episodes and, yeah. and something pops up and things like that, it, it's not that um, you, you know, you're concerned about your ego or whatever. Nobody's hearing you on the podcast. It's that you feel bad that you're not putting all of your effort into it. Right. Yeah. And And if you're not putting all your effort into it, it's, it's, it's stressful. I know that sounds silly, Mm -hmm. but if you're not putting your effort into it, you know, like you're not just, you're not doing it for yourself. Well, yeah. And what I can relate to mostly though, is I I think I know how Ian's mind works and he, he presents himself because he is a lot of the whole poor man mentality, fun, drinking and stuff. But like that stuff doesn't work unless there is structure, unless there is time, unless there's editing, 
the script. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that that he plays very well naturally to the audience. But I think yeah, I know where he's coming yeah. from. There's a there's a certain level that he wanted to get to that uh, would call for too much, and and he knows if he can't. It's like me. We had this argument, right? If I can't totally. put in a hundred, if I can't get that, then I don't want to do it. And I respect the hell out of him explaining that. So yeah. it was the sloppiest show on the internet, but it certainly did have uh, some polish that you might not have been aware of. Man, that tagline is so good. Mm. Brilliance, people who think about that. You haven't given Chronicles a good one yet. Mm, we'll get there. All right, Dave, hopefully you're fully aroused because now is the time in the podcast where I present the gospel. You might be a financial guy. I get that. Hashtag whatever. But there is some truth out there. And we set it free here in a little segment we like to call Pimba Market Trends. Oh, this music. Huh? This music. Here we go. Yeah, let's go. Uh, 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 uh. This is the part of the show where I get all animated. See, I'm awake now. You fucking put me to sleep with the SEC bullshit you had earlier in the show. This is this is the part where you've had a where you've had a chocolate bar. You're just finances and GDIs and whatever the hell you're driving on this. Oh, this is TDI. And you're the guy that's doing the market trends. Turning up this week is Jurassic Park Premium and Ellie, bitches. How about it? How can you not trend this thing up? Numbers don't lie. I only report the facts. The T-Rex eats the ball off the ramp. Yes. Come on. Come on, man. Number two on the Pinside Top 100. Have you checked out that Topside 100 yet? Topside. Uh, Pinside yeah, Top I, yeah, I pop in every now and then just, yeah. just to see where, you know, Tron is. those games are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Stop making new games, Stern. Yeah, it's number two. It's number two, and I think it's... I, Wow, that's a big statement. Think it's going to stick about this that. time? I think it deserves to be there. Hmm? Wow. Minus the assets and lack thereof. In addition, my other supporting evidence here, only reporting the facts, is Keith Owen, the designer himself, said of the three that he made, the masterpieces, that's the best one. That's his favorite. Not only that, it also is training up because we here look at, uh, you know, maybe we don't run polynomial analyses and, and, and stuff. We don't need to. You mean actual market trends? No, we have a finger on the pulse. I mean, what, what more do you want flow-wise than a finger on the pulse? You can take your EKGs and all that pulmonary bullshit. Science. Put your finger on the pulse. And we got it here on the Pinball Show, Pinball Market Trends. Numbers don't lie. They're suggesting with another production run, not until December, we're in August, September, October, November, holidays are coming, people are hungry. There's only so many spots left in that December run from dealers before waiting in 2022. You're going to see that number shift upward even from where it is now. People are going to want Jurassic Park and they're going to want it in a prehistoric way. See what oh, I did there? God. I don't know what looks good next to a dinosaur. Almost dinosaur-like, maybe a big lizard going through a cityscape. Maybe they'll look good together. Maybe they'll both be the same designers. Maybe, just maybe, something big is coming as well. James Bond is is not a lizard. I'm not excited about a James Bond, but whatever. Unless you are Dan- dead to me. Unless it's Daniel Craig, because he's the only good one. Oh, oh. Mm. 
<laughs> Daniel Craig's nope. got balls. Like that is a nope. bond. All right. He's got I grit, like Daniel baby. Craig, but now we're we're going down a path here. I don't want to go down. So yeah, let's get your just move on to the next moose one out, here. Pierce Brosnan. You know what Pierce Brosnan was better in than 007 Goldeneye? Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> he was good, Mrs. Doubtfire. Drive by fruiting. Yeah. Well, hello. Hello. Oh, man. Yep, Jurassic Park's on the up. Also on the up, my pants after seeing this guy every time he makes an appearance, is John Stamos, baby. My God, I got a man crush on this. Like on this. the actor? Yeah, the... No, my neighbor, John Stamos. Yes, a fucking actor. What other John your, Stamos? Your neighbors with there? John Stamos? Man, I wish. Does he have an above round pool as well? I'd have a restraining order if my neighbor was John Stamos. Just be my friend, John. John! Uh, you think John Stamos wears a Speedo or a, a trunk? It's like it's like me and Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Yeah, it's like Emilio! Yeah, John Samos is a man. He, uh, I was just, and this is selfish, but it, it, look, it's a pinball market trim for some reason. I was looking at the Facebooks and the social medias, and John Stamos, this is like a culmination of feelings for me. He appeared at the Indiana State Fair. Oh, God. God bless you, Indiana. Touring with the Beach Boys. Oh, can we that get more iconic? You got Hoosier Land, you got Beach Boys, you got John Stamos, and he was like rocking an IU jersey. Corn. Oh, Guys, my heart can't take this many layers of joy. Literal joygasm is what I have. Yeah, no. Clean up aisle four. John Stamos. Remember John Stamos was on Full House? The best sitcom of all time. Better the than only Seinfeld. The anybody yes. ever remembers him ever doing. What's that? The only thing that anybody ever remembers him doing. <sighs> it's not fair. He toured with the Beach Boys as well. He's a terrific and prolific singer, and he's beautiful. Um, Is he the guy that comes out and tunes the guitars? Or? ER? Uh, he played a lot of things, but okay. If you just remember from Full House, that's fine because it was greatness. Remember when he sang, like, he was a, 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 the Jesse and the Rippers? Remember that? Oh, I have no idea. You're probably real old. And don't, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't House. even know John Stamos was like more than that was the only thing he ever did. Seriously. Oh, remember that song he sang uh, forever? Oh, with the, the Beach Boys, the episode of no. Full House, Jesse and the Rippers. He played Forever, and it was a music video. It was a cover for the Beach Boys song, Forever. <sighs> He's a heartthrob, man. Trending down this week since David Dennis is on is always Tron Legacy. But oh, Aaron come, oh, come on. Sorry. Come on. Look, every time you're on this show, I'm trending this that is, shit down. This is the worst. Numbers don't lie. I only I report. I can't believe I put up with your crap. The quasi facts. It's, it's not true. But if I can, if I got a finger to the pulse and, and I can, I can change it or modify it or alter it because I'm an X-Man, we're going to trend down Tron Legacy. So if you got a Tron Legacy, you're shit out of luck. That shit's dropping. Woof. Hopefully you didn't take out a second mortgage for that because this whole this whole segment has my blood pressure. Pennies to the dollar or quib to the franc. What is the fuck you guys use up there? Loonies. Lo- oh, that's even better. God. Tron Legacy in Canada probably cost you twenty grand. I don't even know what that means. Cost me three three sled dogs and a Saskatchewan Lady of the Night. Oh man, and a pint of maple syrup. Is is your your syrup really that much better? It is, yeah. You have no idea. Can you bring it down? Yeah, of course or I'll like, bring it down. They I'm, get you at the line. And I'll try not to spit in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was the joke of the day here on the Pinball Show. Nice improvisational skills there. Also trending down is uh, the low-hanging fruits, Cactus Canyon original. 
truly, if you have a Cactus Canyon original and now you're thinking about selling it, guess what? You're $2,000 too late because you just lost money. There's still people holding out not knowing what the next remake Now, is. there's a lot of people that would prefer the OG because you can actually do the, the fixes on the boards. You could do all that stuff. There's a lot of people that would prefer to have the old one. I'm not one of them, but that's the argument that they would make. Yeah, and the flippers flippers don't feel the same. Yeah, whatever. It's a better game. It just is what it is. Now, if you have a Cactus Canyon, you, you lost money. Might as well keep that thing. Now, if you have a continued version, the Eric Pripke version, I'm not saying that's dropping. I'm talking about the OG because that, that might still offer uh, enough uniqueness that uh, retains some value. But nope, your original ain't worth shit no more. Sorry. Sorry. Hey, there's $15,000. Kiss it goodbye because <laughs> that shit ended a year ago. My assessment on a Cactus Canyon original worth whatever the SE comes in at, probably like 100, 200 lower than that. <sighs> Strong take. Also trending down this week. Oh, here's some more fruit. Raza, food truck, and the fucking Goonies. Oh, man. You had to go for that. It kills me. It kills me. I know you were looking forward to food truck. I wasn't. Sorry, horseler, counselor. I'm sorry. I wasn't. I can imagine what it looked like, though, with those rams. Because he does the same ram. Goonies was where it was going to be at. Do you think they even had the Goonies license now that I'm thinking about it? Well, I mean... All of these lies... The investors owned the IP to that, I guess. They never said it was Goonies. It was an 80s property. I bet they didn't even have the Goonies. Maybe it was Rambo. I'm hoping they didn't have the Goonies. That way it can still be negotiated. What are you all doing, manufacturers, for the Goonies? And loser kid, this is the second week in a row that I will throw shit your way because you deserve it. Sorry, Utah. It's coming at you from Indiana. You telling me in private message that Goonies is a horrible theme you just don't get it, and it didn't age well? <laughs> right in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at whothefucknows.com. Let those guys know their their bit their, their fingers not on the pulse. Their their fingers like on the on the ankle to pinball if they think that Goonies is a bad theme. <laughs> I don't think that was their actual email address. <laughs> Scott, you're out of your mind. I watched it again with the kids. It doesn't hold up. I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next uh, Loser Kid Pinball podcast. Award-winning Loser Kid Pinball podcast. No, when they talk about uh, the Deep Root thing. This is, that'll be a, there'll be no allegedly's in that uh, podcast. Yeah. It's hard for me to even take them serious now with this whole Goonies and, and, and Dennis Creasel. Sniveling, whining Dennis Creasel agreed with them. Ugh. It's because they're right. Gotta find better friends. Deal of the week this week. Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, there it is. Yep, deal of the week this week is a Data East Jurassic Park on Pinside from a friend over in North Dakota. Jurassic Park Data East uh, T. Butler 6. Pal over there in North Dakota. And Minno. Minno. I don't know if the T's silent. Minno. He's got a nice Data East. You think it's called Minnoat? Minnoat. 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 Me not North Dakota. <laughs> Me South Dakota. That was a stupid dad joke. It comes with an NOS gun, flipper board NOS, rebuilt board, NOS coin door, pin sound. It's like $400 right there. X pin power supply, color DMD. Oh, get out of town. This thing's got to be five, $6,000. Original topper, extra new and bag T-Rex motor, NIB full plastic set, 
full teardown 2015. This is a this is a deal, right? How much would you pay for this? He's even got I'd a pillow of of Ian Malcolm. A pillow. Who doesn't? Well, we've got pillows now that we're selling in our merchandise collection. Forty four hundred dollars. Bye bye bye. This thing's gonna be gone by the time we air this episode, and if it's not, y'all are crazy. That is a steal of the week. I can't say the same though in this week's deal of the. <laughs> I'll edit that one out. Uh, <laughs> deal, deal the WTF this week. Davey Boy is a Jurassic... It's Jurassic Park week here. Jurassic Park premium on Penn side. We're just trending that up. How can you trend that down? Well, I can when it's coming outside of uh, San Francisco, San Jose area. Not, I'm not a West Coast hater. I love you guys over there. But a person by the name of Mallory selling, attempting to sell, but shit ain't going to sell, Jurassic Park premium with 31 plays. Thought I loved it after 30. Yeah, you should have left it at 30. 31 was the doer. Couldn't yeah. do it. It does come with a shaker motor, so there's that external volume and uh, limited amber shooter rod. That's false. There, I don't I don't get the I've got I don't those get in the stock. whole wearing headphones when you wear like when you're playing. I don't get that. I don't understand why you would wear headphones and play. Because if you're trying to keep it quiet, it's really hard to do that with really loud flippers. Yeah, yeah. And mechs. Mm-hmm. I can hear a some shaker things. motor. I can hear some things on my earpod pros that I can't hear on my television. That'd be my argument. Plug it into the Hobbit and play it, and you'll, you'll that'll answer your question. Immersive. You can feel every every second of that ball going around that orbit. Get those headphones in. It drums out some of those mechs to drop targets. <laughs> Jurassic Park Premium with 31 plays with all of these accessories like a shaker motor and a shooter rod. Mallory, $12,000. Go sell, sell, sell. Self. No. That's like Canadian. Those go here for that in Canadian dollars. And that's still a ripoff in Canada. They're making these machines, people. This could have been new in box with all these accessories uninstalled. And it still wouldn't be worth close to $12,000. What are you smoking over there? I know it's legal, but shit. Hook a guy up. <laughs> I don't even know what to put this under deals of the week of deals of the what the fuck. It's a little bit hybrid of both deals of the week. The fuck It's Johnny mnemonic Whitewood prototype. I just list this because it's on pin side by fat train. What up fat train fat train. He's always pricing shit really high and stupid. Same goes here. $15,000 for this Johnny mnemonic, but I kind of want this one, Dave. It's a Whitewood, but Does it has the like spinner work. No, the spinners work. But they've got like this black line art on Mylar and then overlaid on the white wood. It just looks really cool. It's really, really cool. And it's got a custom topper in full chrome. Should I buy this? Yes. I think it's a ripoff, but one that I might take. You ever you ever like it, Ruff? Where you know it hurts, but it no, hurts so no. bad it, it feels good. If, I don't, if it doesn't look like I'm playing on glass, <laughs> I'm sending that back. I like it rough, Dave, sometimes. And this is this is how it is here. You know you're getting taken, but you kind of like it. I don't know. Kind of want it. Don't really want to deal fat train, but I just might. Don't know. Stay tuned. Well, you should, you should head on down to the Greyhound station and jump on a bus and head on out to California. IA. You want to get taken, go to the VW dealership and buy a TDI. <laughs> BDI, what is it? GTI. Oh, uh, BMI. <laughs> TMI, the show's gone off the rails, my friend. Oh, it was off the rails long ago, my friend. 
All right, do what you can to support the show. And if you can't, tight ass, then just listen to next week's episode of Pinball Market Trends, Canadian edition. Now with 50% more moose. We'll close out the show with this. Where can people find you between now and the next time, like 2025, when Richie comes out with the game and you come back on to co-host? Yeah, so <laughs> why don't you uh, swing on over to silverballchronicles.com or facebook.com. Swing over that BDE. <laughs> <laughs> All these mnemonics in here. Yeah, uh, also, <laughs> of course, facebook.com slash silverballchronicles, but you can send us an email at silverballchronicles at gmail.com if you want to talk to me about the pod. We've just recorded our next episode, which is our third part of our three-part series on Steve Ritchie. This one covers his return to Stern Ooh. in the early 2000s and ends with Led Zeppelin and the months that followed it. Good timing. We're talking about Good Star timing. Trek. We're talking Star Wars. Star Wars is great. World Poker Tour. At least I got Ron on my side about the love of Star Wars. It's I do. I'm I'm also on that bandwagon as well. But the okay. only reason I like Star Wars is because my friend is a dealer and I want him to sell more and I'm required to say that. So where can they buy uh, extra pinball machines? If you're going to plug any game, how about do one that sells well right now? <laughs> <laughs> And as a reminder, everybody, you've got to go really quick, simple, and easy. Go to Facebook right now. Find the Flipping Out Pinball Facebook page or the Pinball Network page. Locate that art design post where we're showing off the art designs and simply share it to your social media, to a pinball Facebook group or Pinside or Instagram or Twitter, whatever. And then also post a comment on which design in that collection is your favorite. Send us evidence of that by an email at thepinballnetwork at gmail.com. And Dennis and I are going to maybe select you next week's episode to win that limited edition four-inch Creasel clone specialized t-shirt that I cannot believe he is allowing. And if we sell all of them, Dennis is going to do something special. We'll talk next week about what I think that may be. Mm, it was good last time. Bye, bye, bye. Flipping out pinball, of course. You can always email us media-wise over here at thepinballnetwork at gmail.com. You can now help support Truly No Bullshit. I'm very, very proud uh, of the work that Brad Albright was able to do, as well as myself in creating this merchandise collection. But I've handpicked all of the products. They might be a little bit more money, but I handpicked them because they are really nice, uh, really nice pieces, really nice shirts and textures and stuff. So give me try blend or give me death. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself there. If you want a hoodie. What pins do you have in stock there? Uh, I got a Hot Wheels. I actually, what, you, what else you got? I have one Hot Wheels and that's it. That is it. I've got more on order. What do you have from the, what do you have from the other manufacturers? I have hundreds of machines on order. I've got nothing, Dave. I got nothing. I got a Jurassic Park uh, topper. You got a Jurassic Park topper? No, but I've got I've got some. I've got Jurassic Park overordered. Got some uh, TMNT shooter rods. You thought they were never going to happen again. They did. They're here. And I do. I don't want to say what I've got, but I think Stern is sending me like a trailer full of accessories that I've ordered. So are you going to dismantle those accessories and build a machine? And people, the UV lighting kit for Stranger Things is coming. But in typical Stern fashion, they're just going to roll out slow and they're going to trickle out. They didn't, all this misinformation out there, they didn't discontinue them at this point. They're going to produce them. They're making them. They're making a lot of stuff. They're even looking at maybe going back to some toppers that haven't been made in a while. So stay tuned for that. Escalators, if you want one, get your order in now because there's still an 8 to 10 week turnaround time. 
Visit us at the Chicago Pinball Expo coming up in October. Get your tickets now for that. And the TPN team. Dave, are they going to let you out of your cage of a country and uh, come down here or no? You guys won't let us into your country. Well, but we have standards. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Unless you bring some ketchup chips That's right. and some maple cookies, there's nothing you're getting across uh, here, bud. Mexico, but, yeah. Come on up, guys. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not going anywhere into the U.S. I'm sorry, you guys need. You to seen how we party in. down here? Come on, baby. Don't don't send me any leftist Canadian hatred email, but I'm not I'm not going down there for a little while. TP and last week we had nothing, zero, nada. Uh, we didn't have anything. It was an off week. It was an off week. I, ba- I, I would probably blame the worst podcaster that we have for this, which is Joel Engelberth. Oh, I knew it was coming up at some point. I knew it would trickle in there. Hell, we lost custody of, of <laughs> turbographic shit. That's what happens when we have an off week, people. Damn. That's what happens when, when, when parents argue and one of them loses. Oh, it's always the father. But I wanted to make Joel go the whole episode waiting for it, and I've made him listen to it right until the end. A lot of irons in the fire over there in the Engelberth studios. You yourself have some pretty exciting stuff coming up with TPN here soon that we'll probably be announcing. Um, don't want to spoil that. This week at TPN, a free play. I believe we'll get another Triple Drain. Maybe a just another. That's that's Tom's show, right? I think that's it. I don't know what else we'll get. Are we due for a... We are due for a final round. Juicy. Until then, for David Dennis, I'll always be your Zachary Minnie. And remember, Joel Engelberth is now only the second worst person in pinball. That's harsh. And always practice safe pinball and allegedly up. Buy a t-shirt. Wear it. So long, everybody. As, uh, oh, what was his name? <laughs> Who are you talking about? The, the designer. Uh, um, uh, Nordman, uh, um, uh, Joe Balser. Uh, Joe Balser. Right, okay. So, so then, so what you're saying is Joe Schober did not get the same Uber as oh God, Joe Balser. Joe Balser. Insert it. I'll edit it. So what you're saying is Joe Schrober didn't get the same Uber. <laughs> Schrober. 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 This is honest to God. <laughs> I screw up names nonstop. This is Pinball Chronicles. Chronicles. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Schober. It wasn't even that good of a joke either. (laughs) It's a good joke, goddammit. I'll be so happy loving.